Season 3, Episode 15 of the Bridgeport Zone Podcast. I'm Carlos Ortega. It's been a while to get Episode 15 going, but now I'm here and we are going to do it right. Very right. Speaking about doing it right, here's the one and only Mr. Billy Doggett. Civil liberties may be getting tramped on or stepped on or whatever. But there's one thing that's very certain. There will be a time where they all say, well, what comes around goes around. And some things will go around and people will finally realize and hear that not all things are really that important. Now you might be saying to yourself, Carlos, what in the heck are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about what the Supreme Court did. The Supreme Court did, forget about the ruling and so forth, the Supreme Court of all things, became a source of information. Who knows who spilt that information out there, but they did. If you don't know by now, five of the Supreme Court justices, in a leaked opinion, said they will overturn Roe v. Wade. How did they get to that point? Well, the source of the material, of the opinion, and so forth. Even the Chief Justice said that, yeah, it's authentic. It's real. We know it. I know you know it. But the bottom line is, the Supreme Court says, in that opinion, and it might change, but we really doubt it, that they'll overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, you could say this and say it for a long time, maybe into eternity. The way the court is built, and it was built this way for one simple reason. One simple reason. 
is to overturn Roe v. Wade. Forget about the other laws. Forget about the other stuff. The Voting Rights Act was gutted about a couple of years ago, maybe a little longer. This court was specifically designed to overturn Roe v. Wade. Donald Trump helped it out. He certainly did. And getting three justices appointed to overturn it didn't help. Maybe one of them may have lied to, you know, get that appointment. He said he won't overturn Roe v. Wade. You know what I'm talking about. But it's overturned. It will be. Unless something ungodly and unforeseeable happens, Roe v. Wade will no longer be the law of the land. States will have to handle it. And 26 of them already have put in laws banning abortion after a certain amount of time, 15, 16 weeks. Even in the case of rape and incest, we are not banning abortion. And this is where, you know, if I'm the Democrats, if I'm Jamie Harrison, who's in charge of the Democrats, run against these guys and gals who don't support Roe v. Wade, fundraise on it. You know, Republicans love the fundraise on everything. They fundraise on heck. Whatever. You know, this guy said something about that guy. This guy said something wrong, and they all fundraise on that. This is something legitimate. This is something that they should fundraise on. Why not? They do it all the time. You fundraise on it, get some people to support you, which you can. This is not, it's not rocket science here, folks. A 50-year-old law is about to be abolished because people, men and women, don't think that a woman's right to get an abortion it shouldn't be up to the United States of America. And if you sit there and say, oh, nah, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Abortion rights. Yeah, okay, fine. It is a big deal. It went to the highest court in the land in 1973. And Republicans on that same Supreme Court ruled that a woman's right to get an abortion should be a fair an essential right. I'm not going to tell a woman what to do with her body. Why should four white men, one white woman, and a black man, well, I mean, I don't know how who's the fifth person on the Supreme Court to overturn it, so let me change that. Three white men, one white woman, and one black man say, you do not have the right to do with your body what you want to do. The fetus is more important. Yeah, the fetus is more important. You want that person to grow up and go to war. But here's the facts. The facts are this, and I hope Democrats take advantage of it. Just go out there and do what I said. Fundraise on this. This is something you fundraise on. This is something that you can say, hey, the court took our votes away. Let's go to every single state. 
Hey, do you support a woman's right to get an abortion? Put the onus on them. But you know me saying that the Democrats is not going to be something that they would put themselves into because Democrats just don't generally listen to people. Democrats take it on the chin. They just say, uh, hey, Roe v. Wade's overturned. I'm pissed. But hey, what am I going to do? Here's what you do. You fundraise on it. You put the onus on them during the midterms elections. Hey, the midterm elections, hello, they're coming up. Do you really want states to tell a woman what to do with her body? Federal government doesn't want you to touch your bodies, and that got overturned. So do yourself a favor. If you want fair and just people who will work in your states, work in your federal government, work anywhere to support your cause, support Roe v. Wade, then go out there and fundraise on it. I think Democrats and the DNC should say, hey, here's a fundraising campaign. Roe v. Wade got overturned. All this money is going to go to candidates who not only will support Roe v. Wade, but also will put the onus on their Republican challengers to say, we, and I mean we, will put it to a vote, put it in the primary, and say, if you support this, you shouldn't be in the state legislature, the state house, senate, congress. You should not be our candidate. You shouldn't. That's what the owners should be, should be on them. Put the pressure on them. Put it on them. Put it on them that they have to wear a skirt every night about it. Put it on them. Put it on each of your opponents. Do it. And if you don't, then you deserve to lose the midterms. You deserve it. Because it's, this is the issue. It's not going away. It will not go away. Put it on them. Put it on them. Because if you don't, they will get away with it. And when they get away with it, they know what to do with it. They will run re-elections. They will run with power. They're going to be the do-nothing Congress. They're going to be the do-nothing Senate. They're going to take vacations. And they're going to say, look, it was overturned. Get over it. Don't get over it. Do something about it. It's your turn, Democrats. Democrats, you got to do it. If you don't, I feel sorry for you. I really do. You need this. You need it. They handed it to you on a silver platter. You need this. I'll have more after this.
the city is in a budget shortfall. 7.3 million is the dollars that they pointed out. Now, I'm pretty good at math. I'm pretty good at that part of things. I'm not an accountant. I'm not an accounting firm. I don't know what a budget is. Just my own. And, I, and even that, I do have a clue of what I do. So, here's my take on a $7.3 million budget shortfall. Where do you cut? A lot of obvious reasons where you should cut. Number one, laying people off. You know, that'll be the obvious thing. That's going to be the thing that really a lot of people are going to look at. Number two, more importantly, instead of laying people off, something I thought of when Cory Booker was not the senator in New Jersey, he was the mayor of Newark, New Jersey, he decided to, just for an example, just saying, when they were having budget difficulties, he decided to give furloughs and shut down the city. Now, how do you do that? Well, let's say it's the upcoming Memorial Day weekend. Friday before Memorial Day, except for police and fire and other essential workers, on a Friday, you shut it down. No tax collections, no this, no that, what have you. How do you save money like that? Well, save them about a good amount of money. Got their budget balanced. Got it balanced to a point where they can say, hey, I got me a balanced budget. Who knows? Some things aren't that essential to be opening before a holiday weekend. Tax collections department, hey, they got to collect their money. But guess what? They can do it. They can go to the bank. Whatever bank is taking their tax dollars, car, property, what have you, go to the bank and pay it. Don't go to the city. That should be something that they should consider. But I don't know if they would. I don't know if they would consider it. I don't know if they want to consider it. I don't even think they're even thinking about it. But they should. They should think about it because there are a lot of things that can balance a $7.3 million budget for the city of Bridgeport. You know, the other thing is Cut overtime. You know, how much time is overtime? You know, you got to have um, garbage to be picked up. You got to have, as I said, taxes to be collected. You got to have um, a lot of other things that need to be done. But those are the essential things that need to be done in the city. And I totally believe if you had a little brain, a little this, a little that, a little brain to do with this, 
you could find something in your budget to cut. It's not that hard. To be honest about it, it's not that hard to balance a federal budget. No, it is hard to cut a federal budget because nobody knows how to balance a federal budget. Nobody. Not even people in the federal budget know how to knows how to handle a federal budget, balance it off. It's hard. State and city budgets have to be balanced. So they can take it to the federal government and say, hey, we balanced our books. So they can look at it and say, hey, let's see how they handle their books. But besides that, that has to be done. They have to get $7.3 million to close their books. If not, there's going to be an issue. I don't know how it works. I don't know who handles that stuff. But some things have to happen. So they need to find $7.3 million to balance the budget of the city of Bridgeport. Really? (laughs) Well, I know one way you have a half a million dollars from E.J. Perez that you're not paying. Slice that off, or it's probably included in that budget. But either way you look at it, there needs to be a budget that needs to be balanced. We have to balance it. And if nobody can balance it, then, you know, this is going to be the issue of this upcoming campaign in the city of Bridgeport. How come you can't find $7.3 million in your budget? How? (laughs) You know, somebody told me I should run for city council. And this is one of the reasons why I don't. Because if you ask me, this is the things I'm going to suggest. I'm going to suggest furloughing people on Friday before a holiday because that will save money. I'm going to suggest that and add it up month by month, whatever holiday comes up, and then you've got yourself a pretty much a balanced budget. Not all essential things can be essential. Not all things could be essential, can be essential. And not all things that need to open don't have to open before a holiday weekend. Cops, fire department, yes. Tax department before Memorial Day on the Friday, no. Uh, City council work, maintenance, no. Can schools get a day off before that holiday? Probably. I'm not going to furlough teachers because you got to teach that day. But there needs to be something to be done about a federal, not a federal, a city budget that needs to close $7.3 million. Something has to be done. Somebody has to do it. Who can do it? Who will do it? Somehow it's beyond me to even ask that question or even entertain the question. Entertaining a question of how to balance the books. Remember, balancing the books.
books. You have to balance your books. But that was the headline this week for me that opened up this past week. That the city of Bridgeport needs to close a $7.3 million budget gap. And believe me, I envy the people in the mayor's office and the city council. Because you got to find that money. And you might hurt some projects. You might hurt some things that happens uh, during the uh, two-year budget gap that you have. You are not going to make people happy. You're not going to make the unions happy. You're not going to make anybody happy. I think there's certain innovative ways, as I mentioned, to make this happen. It can be. I just don't think that people don't use what I call the brain. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But I have the answer to this is that the city of Bridgeport needs to have people to see what needs to be done. They don't need people to say, hey, let's cut this and let's cut that. Or let's not spend much on this or spend money on that. Or we need to do this and not do that. I mean, if you really want to do that or anything like that, then you need to start, you know, worrying about who it's going to affect. Because it's going to affect a lot of people. A lot of people are going to wonder, oh, wait a minute. My property taxes went up because you decided to, you know, balance your books? Really? My taxes went up because you have to balance your books. That is the, I mean, the red herring that the city does not need to hear. That our property taxes, our car taxes, are going to go up because you can't close a $7.3 million budget. That's why I don't envy them. Because you have a lot of people, including the citizens, that you have to answer to because you didn't do your duty. You didn't do your duty. And when you're called to do your duty, you bailed. You failed enormously. That's why it's before an election, they need to do this right. Not thinking Mayor Ganim's going to win, that's not even the point. But balancing the books are about as essential as you can get it. Because not only... Does the city of Bridgeport have to do it? Hartford, New Haven, Waterbury, Stanford, all cities and towns have to do it. And then they get reported to the state, and the state has to report it to the federal government. And the federal government couldn't even balance their own checkbooks, their own personal checkbooks. So please, they got to do it right. They got to do it right because... Ain't nobody else is going to do it for them. Nobody. Nobody. They got to do it themselves. They got to do it. And please, 
do the right thing about it. Please consider my idea of what Cory Booker did in New Jersey. Newark, that is. It might save you some money. It might save you some time. And it might save you some votes. It might. Please consider it. We'll be back after this. On a personal note, I have a rodent running around in my house. And when you have something like that run around your house, running as fast as it could, it makes you wonder about a few things. How to get in? What did we do to let it in? How and what we can do about it to get it out? It's tough. And for me, the thing about it is we have to get this sucker out. No choice. Got to get that rodent out. I'm not a big, you know, rodent guy. I don't want a rodent running around in my house. I don't want it even near my house. I had a fortress laser screen that says mouse rat I'll zap that sucker out of here I don't want it in my house but it's in my house well let me change that it was in my house it was in my house for like two weeks didn't know it heard the signs scratching you know taking things out you know seeing food wherever it is or my neighbor's food and saying, hey, we need to go to this house and we need to get our food. That sort of thing. And I don't know why he came to my house. I don't know why I wanted to come to our house. Just wanted out of there. That's all. Just want the darn thing out of there. I want it out of my life, out of my misery, out of anything that I can do about it. I just want this thing out out of here thought we had it a couple of times thought it was easy to get a thing at home depot where you have these big mouth traps like a cat but it's a mouse it's not as big as a rat so we got the regular old school mouse traps put the food in take it all that stuff so we got all that we got all the traps everything we got the big mouse traps, which turned out to be a mouse trap, a rat trap, so to speak. Then we have another one where it's laid down in essential deep, thick plastic where even if it tries to run out, it won't run. That's how we caught it. Get it out. Run. Goodbye. So long. Farewell. So that was our issue. We had a mouse. I did say we have a mouse. We had it. But it should be a lesson for all of you. Don't take things that are like, you know, oh, it's a scratch. It could be a thing like a paranormal activity. It ain't a paranormal activity. It's a mouse. 
things that are going on in your house, little noises and so forth. It's a mouse. A mouse is running around your house, and it does it. And a thing I've learned about that is this. If they're going to run around, they don't like cold weather. They want to come in in nice, comfortable, warm weather, stay warm, and they're going to run out and say, this is a nice, comfortable house. They, we could stay warm here. They got some food and so forth, blah, blah, blah. So that's how you bait them in. You bait them in because you have the essential traps now. You have to have it. You got to have the mouse traps. You got to have all that other stuff. Anything that has to do with mouse and rat, Home Depot, voila, there you go. That's how you got to do it. You also have to check your walls and lining to see where the holes are. Because somehow they get in through there. And I have no idea how it gets in. They say there are no bones in mouses. I'm starting to believe that. I think it is believable that there is or no bones in a mouse at me. So here's what we're going to do next time that happens. Got to get all the essential mouse traps. Got to get all the stuff. Have the food ready. That's their bait. That's what they need. They need to eat. They're like no other person, no other rodent out there. They need the essential foods to get them in. We're all up all here anyway because we serve up food up for the cats. And then the mouse comes in and says, hey, let, you know. Then I could get near the cats. Cats will gobble them up and destroy them. But they need that food. They also need to know that your house can't be all that hot and ventilated and so forth. That's something that they don't need. They don't need cold weather. But here's the thing I will tell you. Even if you do all that, even if you say, oh, I got all the things set up. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. They're still going to find a way. They really are. They're going to find a way to get in. They're going to find a way to get in and make your life miserable because that's what mouses do. They make your life miserable. And I'm probably not the only person in the neighborhood that has a mouse. There are probably a few other houses in my street that have mouses. And they're saying the same things that I am. This is a pain in the you-know-what. They really are. They really are a pain in the you-know-what. You want to get rid of them. You want to get them out of there. You want them to get them out of your miserable damn life. You don't need them around. You ask yourself, why do they need a mouse in the world today? You ask yourself that question and you don't get the answers that you want. You hear, well, you know, eh, mouses have been around for ages and so forth. That doesn't answer my question. I don't care if they've been around for ages. I want them out of my life. Why are they here? Why are they making my life miserable? Till this past week. Brother put the traps on. They finally found it. They got it. It was in traps. And pretty much were killed. That was it. No more. So it can be done. It should be done. And it will be done. But one thing has to be done. Next time, learn from your own mistakes. Learn that a mouse, a mouse, 
just can't come into your house and say, hey, I want a piece of the action. I want a piece of this. I want a piece of that. You say, no, this is my house. I want it clean. I want it cleanly. I want this rodent to be the hell out of my life. That's what you should tell them. And then you'll sound insane. But that's what you should say to yourself. Get out of my damn house for once and stay out. This is my house. Stay away. Good for me to vent like that, isn't it? Just to vent for a while. So, you know, nice to do it. It's been my pleasure. I will do it again once in a while in a neighborhood near you. That's going to do it for Season 3, Episode 15 of the Bridgeport Zone Podcast. I'm Carlos Ortega. I'll see you next time. starts to kick you around and you find yourself flat on the ground but it's a sure one to five there'll be someone to jive you and try to keep bringing you down now for a while you might take that abuse and convince yourself to stay loose but then one day he'll throw you away and say you're good for nobody's use but then I'll come your way turn your blackest night into day when you're needing it bad, cause of rough times you bad, I'm gonna look at you and I'm gonna say, Who loves you, baby? Who loves you, baby? By now you ought to know. Who loves you, baby? Well, I can't always let it show. Who loves you, baby? By now you really ought to know. This is one thing I don't wanna blow. Baby, baby. Won't you tell me? Tell me what I wanna know. Baby, baby, won't you tell me? Tell me what I wanna know. If you wake up one day feeling ugly, thinking you're 10 or 12 pounds overweight, but just know I don't care if there's gray in your hair. If there's hair at all, I think that's just great. Now this carnival life that we're riding Gives no one the room to start hiding So I don't want to hear that you've turned a deaf ear To my words and started backsliding Cause then I'll come your way Turn your blackest night into day When you're needing it bad Cause of rough times you've had I'm gonna look you straight in the eye, baby And I'm gonna say Who loves you, baby? By now you ought to know This is one thing I don't want to blow Baby, baby, won't you tell me Tell me what I want to know Baby, baby, won't you tell me Tell me what I want to know Baby, baby, won't you tell me Who loves you, baby, tell me what I want to know
I'm the one. 